Welcome, welcome back to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Wednesday afternoon. I'd like to welcome back to the studio the one and the only Cruzan McCalligan, who's back for our midweek audio column. And this week, Cruz, what will you be chatting about? Today, we are talking about uniforms. Oh, interesting. Okay, so in your life, how many uniforms have you had to wear? Oh wow, uh, that's a great question. I think just school uniforms. Right, I've that's not, it. Yeah, have you ever I've, had to wear one for a job? No. no okay. No. Yeah. No. So I was thinking about this because I've. How many? Of yeah. So I've had school uniforms obviously since I was little, and then I um, worked in a supermarket when I was a student, so I had a. I had a um, uniform that I used to have to wear. That it was very fetching green polyester number. Um, and then I only worked in a bar and a restaurant, <laughs> so no uniform. Mm. Is it an apron? No, no, no. 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 Well, no, it kind of it is. Kind if of everyone is. else is wearing, if a lot of people are wearing one, I don't think. Maybe not. I think a uniform is basically like lots of people wearing the same thing, right? Um, so yes, yeah, so I was thinking about this because they're quite a strange thing. Uniforms, in a way. I remember, like, whenever I see now, like, students walking in a group wearing uniforms, I have, like, this base level nostalgic anxiety about what it was like to wear a uniform, right? And, and, um. And there are some schools with no uniform. And there are some schools with no uniforms, which actually, I will have to say, if that had been me, I'm glad I went to a school with a uniform because. I was quite self-conscious about how I dressed and how I looked as a teenager, and I would have really struggled. I, I struggled on a mufty day on the ca- on dress. What's it called? Dress casual day. <laughs> Not a very catchy title. You know, I struggled on those days. They were scary days for me. You know, because you had to think about what. You, oh, and, and I had no idea. And so, a uniform took a lot of the stress out of that. It took yeah. a lot of stress out of what you're wearing. I didn't and, think of it like that, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Because in sixth form, we went to the same uh, yeah, high yeah, school, um, and, and during sixth form the last two years we we had the freedom yep of, was it a freedom was it a freedom no, no, no i got no. told off for wearing no. a really low-cut top oh, which sure. by the way another girl wore the same top see but see, because her boobs weren't as big yep yeah see this is you why know, i didn't she roll didn't up my trouble. skirt because <laughs> i had chunky legs and i was like if i rolled my skirt up it'd be like too much leg whereas all these other little skinny minis they can roll theirs up and no one says anything i roll mine up and they're like that's a lot of leg so yeah, so I never roll my skirt up. In fact, I wore pants, you know, because it was like, oh, yeah. you know, you could wear, shorts, yeah, yes. you could sometimes wear the pants. I, I always, shorts. for the winter yeah. winter uniform, I used to wear the pants, um, which was, yeah. You was, still do wear I the pants. I still do, thank you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're talking about uniforms and it is a really fascinating thing. And in theory, there is an environmental argument that apparently we should all be wearing uniforms. This is one argument. Um, they say fashion is one of the world's nastiest polluters, second only to oil. So actually wearing different clothes, making different clothes is, you know, a way of polluting polluting the the earth. Now, of course, what is also interesting about a uniform, especially with a school uniform, is it is in some ways equalizing because it and one of the original things behind a school uniform is it hid people's wealth status. So because obviously you can tell by sometimes by what people wear how wealthy they are if someone is dripping in diamonds versus someone whose clothes belly fit them you know there's a big difference and a bit it's a big discrepancy and unfortunately we make a lot of judgments on what people wear so there's a reason that people kind of think of uniforms in that way there's also this idea that it um it avoids decision fatigue so like obama was very famous for this he um only had like i think two or three ties and certain suits because we only have so much decision making capacity a day steve jobs steve jobs 
exactly. Always Personal uniform. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mark Zuckerberg, same thing. And it's because we only kind of can make so many decisions in a day and deciding what to wear is actually quite stressful. That's why I like, well, the only thing I like being pregnant is I have like four maternity <laughs> yeah, yeah, outfits. Yeah, sure. So at any one point, people can go onto the website and see the pictures I take with the guests. Yeah, yeah, just rotate it. But it's quite liberating in a way when you have a limited wardrobe. You're like, there's only so many things I can wear. And also I felt this way post-pregnancy because nothing fitted. So I only had so many things I could wear. Well, your brain um, capacity was probably used for something Yeah, exactly. Else. And it needed to be used for lots of things. Now, um, but uh, of course, the problem is any attempt to standardize dress across a whole culture has kind of failed, especially in Western cultures, right? Because we do value individualism and we do value individual expression. And I am who I am and I'm so proud of it. And that's something we all kind of want to be, right? In a way, to a point, I'm going to get back to that again. So in 1916, there was a US home economist called Helen Louise Johnson, and she proposed this thing called a standardized dress. And it was basically this V-line neck uh, and modest skirt in a dress, kind of similar to kind of the Coco Chanel dress of the time. Um, And she was very melodramatic about proposing this for women in 1916. She said, our purpose, she said, is nothing less than a freedom from a kind of slavery. So it's quite melodramatic considering what she was talking about. But for her, she was saying, this isn't fair. Women are expected to be feminine, pretty. We've got to have all these different things we've got to look like and do with our appearance. And men get to wear suits, which is a uniform. You put on a suit. You might change your shirt. You might change your tie. But you got your suits, right? It is to a degree a uniform, um, and so of course women were still like you know having to spend money on all these different things, and that was true even at the turn of the century. So that's what Johnson was kind of trying to get away from. However, it just didn't really happen. It kind of flopped. Um, no one was really you know unfortunately people were like yeah we like how you're thinking, but in practice we can't put this into practice. You know that kind of thing. Um, And of course, we've got interesting, if we look at other cultures, especially like communist cultures, we see that there's, especially in history, um, that there's these sort of totalitarian regimes where people really have to wear the same thing and in some of them same hair same hair exactly so it's really about trying to make everyone and i don't know again if that that you know there's oppression and then there's trying to equalize so there's this balance where you don't really know where it lies right um but interestingly there's um this idea that some people in communist regimes have in the past um because uh you know like if you look at a school uniform how do people rebel against the school uniform they take down an extra button they fold up a sleeve they roll up a skirt right undo that tie yeah exactly Exactly. You know, there's always those little things like, look, I'm not I'm not the same quo, right? Like, look at me not conforming, right? Okay, so that that's just like a that's just something that's just within people. But um what what they used to do in communist countries, they used to rip apart the whole thing and sew it back together again. And people could tell that it had just been sewed back together again. So that was their way of rebelling, was like just to wear the same thing. Seems like a lot of effort though, unfortunately. Um but of course the interesting thing is when we talk about like a uniform, for example, it's like in some ways you may not want to you may not want to look like other people uh, look like, but then also you may conform to look like other people. So, for example, a punk girl, you are a punk, you don't want to dress like a sorority girl, a kind of valley girl with you know like bubblegum hues and little short skirts, but you kind of want to look like other punk girls. So you're kind of having this like there is still this idea of uniform and identity and how it all comes together, right? And it is sort of this personal branding thing in one way, but it's also, it is a way of creating a sense of team and community and inclusion. And anyone who's had to wear like, you know, an office 
t-shirt to an event together you're like there we go there's another person wearing my t-shirt and i think it's kind of an interesting thing to think about now in hong kong because there's a lot of stuff around uniforms and people dressing a certain way and meaning a certain thing on quite a large scale and quite an important scale right it's like how the protesters were identifying with the color black yep and then for example the thugs who you know they wore white yep which you know to be honest, if we looked at other cultures and other things in history, it might have been the complete opposite. opposite. So it's it's quite an interesting, like, so anyway, so, but it's, but it's an, this interesting idea is that, you know, that's going on with uniforms. And of course, then you have the police force who were all in uniform as well. And so you've got these different ideas of uniform happening at the moment and what they represent and what they don't represent. And are they, are they expressing? expressions of creativity and individualism or are they expressions of authority and trying to keep everyone without any individualism it funny you mentioned that so there was the general strike uh, on monday on the 5th of august and there were medical staff nurses uh, who usually wear uh, i don't know what color face mask blue or, or light green face masks but uh, some of them in order to show solidarity with the protesters wore a black face mask right, see. and that really stood out yeah. and and there were comments and photos around social media saying you know it's quite striking when when you spot something that's a bit different but also absolutely familiar absolutely and so it's this idea again that we see this this um you know that trying to trying to impose a uniform from the top so if everyone was told we all have to wear the same thing it would basically be this idea it would be like an aggressive form of dominance like it's not something we want to be told um but then at the same time um there's a lot going on with uniforms that makes institutions accept them but makes people tend to reject them so of course um it's also an object of trust if you see someone in a doctor's uniform if you go into a hospital and everyone is dressed as a doctor the people who are dressed as doctors you're going to take seriously if the guy who's dressed as the children's ward clown comes up to you and starts talking to you about results you probably won't take them seriously so there's there's a lot associated with that in terms of like trust how we trust people because they've got uniforms authority. on authority i always make this joke that my mom seems to think that anyone wearing neon is in a position of authority and i said hi viz is actually a practicality thing you know, like the person directing the parking doesn't necessarily isn't going to necessarily arrest you so you know i think there's this but there's this idea that we do you know think but that's a good example of you know people in high vis clothing we always think you know okay who are people who are in high this clothing emergency personnel police officers you know important people are wearing need to be visible so then press. you kind of press exactly yeah. journalists exactly good example so it's like this kind of um so uniforms are quite an interesting concept at the moment and i think especially in hong kong because we do have this um this uniformity but some professional uniforms can also in history can undermine the ranks that they're representing so one example of this is for most of the 20th century uh nurses were very feminized you know if you think about it you know like they 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 wore ridiculous outfits like little dresses and things which are not practical really for a nurse and i still think sometimes when i go to queen mary hospital i see what some of the midwives are wearing i'm like is this really the most comfortable practical outfit you have a bib on you know like at the same time but i think like you know so you have this this concept of it's really it's sapping professional power um but in the 1980s what happened was there was a shift and nurses were wearing started wearing these sort of unisex scrubs that you'd recognize right now um Maybe not in Hong Kong, I but in other places. I see some nurses in Queen yeah, Mary yeah. also wearing uh, trousers now. Yes, yes, yes. And of course, this um, this 
in one way was because more men were entering the profession and they didn't they couldn't wear a little dress, maiden dress. Yeah. Um, but the the notion that um, professionally trained women needs to look like a nun and a fashionable lady in order to do her job is quite problematic when we think about the 21st century, right? So, um, yeah, so of course it's, it's that idea that uh, uniforms stay constant, but that's not always the case as well. And of course we have this idea of like personal uniforms. Would you, would you say you are someone who has like a personal uniform for the working day? Yeah, I, I would. Uh, T-shirts and jeans or maybe a dress if I have a big interview that day. Um, yeah, those are usually my go-to, usually go-tos, yeah. especially for summer months. I usually like to wear one piece because it's just easier to wash. Yeah, fair. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, practical. That's very practical. Um, but of course, um, yeah. So we talk about uniforms and what they do, and that they make life easier because they make social interactions easier, especially in professional contexts. Because we can say, this is what this person is wearing. This is what their their role is. Their occupation is. I know what I need to do. I, I understand the schema behind them. So um, the lady who is wearing a postal clerk's outfit will probably not be a doctor. She will be a postal clerk. Um, the the man in the white coat and the stethoscope is not going to deliver your mail or drive your bus right so it it it, it helps us with those sort of shortcuts that we have in society and the problem is that when we start getting loads of people together wearing the same thing you do lose that sense of individuality and self-identity as well. Yeah, I mean, I could be a hairdresser, really. Jeans and a t-shirt. <laughs> you could be. Well, if, if like every single person wore exactly the same thing, we like a lot of, I think, human interaction comes with the fact that like empathy and like looking at someone else and understanding who they are and what they're like. And maybe they're, maybe they're athletic. Maybe they're not athletic. Maybe they, they're old. They're young. They're a man. They're a woman. They're, you know, like there's all these different things that we're assuming about people. And when we put people in one, kind of uniform sometimes we lose that sense of individuality individuality. and we don't see people as an individual and I think that's very much what's happening on like a lot of things in Hong Kong right now as well because we see all of these people in this group are one way and all these people in this group are one way and that's just not the truth everyone is a person everyone's individual right so there's the, the uniforms are kind of it's an interesting thing but it has seeped deep into our personal collective psyche in one way or another over the uh, over the years. So if we look at a bit of history behind some key uniforms, um, firstly, of course, we have the we have uh, school uniforms, right? Um, and I just say, like, I remember when I was at school, I never thought we had particularly. I mean, I mean, I guess it's a funny one, isn't it? Like, you know, when today I feel like uniforms are have become a little bit more practical, maybe from when we were at school. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think people were sort of like polo shirts that are kind of breathable fabrics that are easy to move in. And I was like our uniforms weren't that easy to move in or that breathable. They had to be pressed nicely, otherwise it looked awful. You know, there's there's not a lot of practicality there. But if we talk about school uniforms, of course, a lot of the, there's a lot of stereotypes, like pleated plaid skirts, ugly neckties, that kind of bow thing. Bow ties nowadays. Bow ties, bow ties, really. My daughter is going to go to pre-nursery in September. And wear her, a bow tie. She has to wear a little bow tie. She has to wear a bow tie. Yeah, it's kind oh. of cute, but I, I, I think... Yeah. Oh, I don't know if that's practical. It's going to get yeah. all saucy and dirty <laughs> instead of dribbles. Um, now, of course, when we think about the history of school uniforms, the British seem to be the main culprits that made this happen. So, so, um, like a lot of things today, economics, safety, and prestige were the main justifications for the school uniform originally. So, the first school uniforms appeared in England around the 16th century at charity schools. So, apprentices and children in charity schools were often dressed in blue because it was the cheapest available dye for clothing. So, it was quite equalizing. Um, and 
um, children at Christ's Hospital School in Sussex, they were issued a long blue coat. So that's like in the UK. I didn't know this. I had to look into, into this because I was brought up in Hong Kong. I never heard the term. But blue coat schools is like a a term of certain types of schools in the UK. And it can't, that's where it comes from. It's like children wearing long blue coats. Um, and of course... By the 18th century, uniforms became more popular in Britain for a completely different reason. So boys from wealthy families showed up to school in their rough and tumble kind of clothes and proceeded to play um, unrestrained versions of rugby and football and cricket. And these games were often very dangerous and chaotic. So people sort of um, chose to educate their children at home to avoid this. But the institution of uniforms, along with stricter supervision, helped to turn the British school system into one of the most prestigious in Europe because it created this sense of everyone's together they're all wearing the same thing they're all they're very they're very uniform they're all very conforming look how good we've educated them that none of them have an individual sense of pre- um, presence um but of course uh, and of course when they, once in the day you know you weren't allowed to wear your uniform for certain occasions i think that's still true today isn't it like you're not supposed to wear your school uniform if you're doing certain activities that you can get in trouble at school if you for example steal something and you're wearing a school uniform oh, or yeah. right i think yeah. that's something that's a thing or swearing. Or swearing, yeah. Um, cause you're, or you get you're, in trouble. You're yeah. representing. You're representing something. And like, um, I know my dad talks about his back in the day wearing school uniforms. There's like a lot of photos of them wearing their school uniform quite proudly, you know, and like having to be very pressed. And like, it was that was their identity. They were a schoolboy, and that was all they were. Um, now a completely different kind of uniform, and this is super interesting. Um, the most. The first service uniform to be registered with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office was the Playboy Bunny uniform. What? That was the first, (laughs) yeah, the first service uniform. Service. It was a service for the Playboy Clubs in 1959. Hugh Hefner decided he'd dress up women like little Bunnies. bunnies in tuxedos. And it was the first registered service uniform wow yeah interesting I it is interesting i thought it might have been something else no? but yeah um interestingly roman catholic priests their very striking garb um is has actually been around um that's actually shown that they're they're kind of no different to anyone else because ironically one of the most recognizable religious uniforms sprang up from priests just trying to be trendy so apparently at the, the end of the 16th century, Romans generally started turning down their collars because uh, they um, and it was like a trend like you just turn down your collar and the clergy didn't want to appear unfashionable. So they started doing the same thing. And then um, they also adorned their collars with kind of like lacy bits, like lacy, fancy needlework. But it made the cloth quite difficult to keep clean. So they would slip in a little changeable sleeve of white linen to protect it. And then, so it's really interesting. So then um, uh, the Pope comes along and sees these lacy collars and is like, what? That's so frivolous. How dare you? I'm banning all the lacy collars. You're not allowed lacy collars. But the protective sleeve remained. <laughs> and that's why they have a little white collar. Oh. Yeah, which is quite interesting. Um, now, military uniforms, um, obviously uh, one of the earliest examples we have of uniforms as well. Um, and of course, this was because you had to identify who was not on your side. <laughs> And who was on your side? Practical. Practical, unfortunately. But of course, um, the thing is now they, they really are things that are worn with a sense of pride. People still take a lot of pride in wearing their military uniforms, obviously. Um, they show that you've, you know, you've... Serving the you've country. You've done all the things. you the country, exactly. Um, 
so yeah so i think there's a, there's a lot of stuff around um uniforms and team spirit as well if you want to bring a team together uh create team uniforms they say this is a really good thing to do whether it's for work or sport um you know that having people wear the same thing even if you might it might not be the most attractive everyone wears a silly hat it does make you feel like you're part, part of, of the, the same yeah. team so that has a way Sense of doing of that belonging. yeah um and of course I've, I wouldn't be able to finish my column without talking a little bit about some quotes. Um, so I have two quotes today. Um, the first one is from the famous con artist Frank Abagnale, who you might know from the book and the movie Catch Me If You Can. Um, right, so he like was yeah he like conned his way around everything and he dressed like a pilot and stuff like that. And he said he talks a lot about this because he was able to totally leverage the fact that we trust a uniform. Right, he said. If I had the uniform on, you didn't doubt for a moment I was a pilot. No one ever blinked an eye if I tried to cash a check wearing that uniform, right? And it's it's true. Um, I have another uh, another author called Amit Kalantri in a book called Wealth of Words said, the uniform of a soldier and the uniform of a student both are equally needed for the nation. So even though there's like this balance, we don't know where it lands, is it good or is it bad, was personal expression, team spirit... Apparently, there's a, there's a role for uniforms in our society. Wow. Yeah. Maybe some of these youngsters should protest in their uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They might get in trouble about They will that. probably <laughs> get in trouble. I take that back, you know. <laughs> well, Cruzy, thank you so much uh, indeed for your time this week. I know you'll be off for the next couple of weeks, and you will be back. Um, by the um, time you're back on air, you'll be sitting in for... I will You'll be, be doing yes. one, two, three show. <laughs> so that's exciting uh, for our listeners as well. Well, meanwhile, thank you so much for your time, and have a wonderful summer, and... Uh, You'll be back on the uh, on the Twins. second second of September. Second of September. Yeah. Thank you very much indeed for your time.